Hello and welcome to Keyframes and happy holidays. I'm your host, Ben Halliburton. With me today is Andy. Happy holidays. And Duncan. Bah humbug. (laughs) (laughs) I also am sad like Duncan because the season's over, the anime season's over, and we're wrapping it up. Mm -hmm. And um, it was a weird one. I mean... A lot of things have been weird in this the year of our Lord 2020, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, but we're an anime podcast, so we're here to say that um, pretty uneven season, mm-hmm. all told. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we're going to go through the shows that we've watched, and then I think after the break, we're going to have a brief uh, touch on a older show that I watched so I could talk about with uh, Jeff and John, but they're not here uh, because of prior obligations, so I will talk about it. And Andy will probably vibe with it. Duncan, maybe too. Yeah. It's not really Duncan's kind of show. But uh, so stay tuned for Seto Kaino Ichi's own or Student Council's discretion after the break. But for now, Andy, talk about the shows you just talked about last episode. <laughs> Guess what, guys? Still watching Love Live and it's still <laughs> the same show. They're making another festival. It's going to be amazing. I have not seen the end of it. And I... so, oh, so you can't tell us if it, if it turned out to be Love yeah. Live Origins then? Yeah, I'm curious I... about the prequel theory. I think that if you could get a lot of upvotes on Reddit, if you were to post there <laughs> about your Love Live origins. I mean, it's love job so... at the beginning. I would be shocked if it isn't. I think the last the episode is airing now. Um, so mm. I have missed it. Like, we, oh. unless unless you, you just want me to go away for half an hour and watch the last episode. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm confused between that or having you watch it live <laughs> in recording. And you're like, oh, that's good. Andy reacts to Love Live finale. <laughs> we, we can stick that on Double YouTube. the length of our podcast. <laughs> I mean, it is... So do, you, so do you think it's really going to like be them there performing and then like pans down to like one of the girls from the first epi- episode of the first Love Live? And she's like, wow, I really, it'll be the beginning of, uh, of Little Witch Academia but yeah. with idols yeah um i would be amazed i would love it if that was the case i don't honestly don't know like the the only thing i would say that disproves my theory is that it's not i mean as i'm sure you all know love live is in uh akihabara i wouldn't don't need to tell you that uh you were well versed <laughs> in the the storied love live law um and this one is very much in a diver and they're like hey let's do things around a diver and uh as previously mentioned um and yeah so so that's the only thing that's making me think that it's not but i'm also thinking like uh the festival got so big they moved it to its own event hall in (laughs) and we called it love life the end or they got thrown out because they're like you're too extreme for (laughs) too extreme for a diver all all these idols um yeah it's just a tiny man-made island that's gonna sink if it (laughs) um they went to they went to odaiba in uh in an episode of setokanichi's own which takes place in hokkaido but they go to tokyo for an episode and it's foggy and they walk around in like the morning and they can't see anything and then they go to odaiba and complain that it's that like tokyo sucks and then they go home and they never (laughs) talk about tokyo again so um, I imagine that was a, a, a thumb in the eye of many of many fans watching to be like, yeah, your city isn't that great. <laughs> just the capital. It is just the capital. It's an incredible thing. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I don't know. I, I look forward to it uh, and, and seeing the last of Rena board uh, as she emotionally <laughs> goes away. Yeah. Um, Do you think she's going to learn real emotions or is it just she's just no. going to be a, an emotionally handicapped person who can never move beyond her crutches? She's learned how to get real emotions, Ben, and that's to put a, oh. uh, 
a board in front of her face. <laughs> <laughs> it's, su- it's such moe bait, and I don't it know is. why I fall for it, but it's so just like, oh, she needs your help and love because she doesn't know how to love, literally. Yeah, it, it's, <laughs> it is moe bait. Um, my actual favorite um, girl, my, my second favorite is... Um, the moldy girl, right? Uh, no, I hate her. Kasumi, as a girl, I think her name's Kasumi. I'll, I'll have to double check, but uh, she she is the self. She's like a self-proclaimed really cute idol, and the joke is always that everybody ignores her. And she always she's like always tries to set herself up as being like super cute and amazing, and everybody loves her. And then everybody just ignores her, and it's the same joke every time. But it always gets me, and I love it. Um, and yeah, so kind of like Nico in season. Yeah, one. I was gonna say, isn't that Nico's thing? <laughs> yeah, but Nico's like got that rotten is- side to her where she's just like <laughs> she just like is insulting and is just like fuck you all i'm out of here she's not a nice person deep down yeah, yeah. this person actually is nice and no one likes her <laughs> yeah or she's just like really self- she's just oh, really man. self-confident and uh yeah it's rough anyway um moving on from that the other thing i've been watching is of course jujitsu kaisen i have been watching two anime this season despite mm. it looking like a pretty good season um turns out i've been watching a lot of english and non-animated stuff so i can't talk about that taskmaster um so yeah uh what did you think of jujitsu kaisen i'm quite enjoying it personally i i think yeah. it's, it's got a lot of fairly obvious shonen trappings mm-hmm. but i'm enjoying where it's going yeah we've, we've the reached, surrealism especially yeah we've reached the, the halfway point of the the the, the two core structure so we've just got a nice conclusion to this first first arc um basically that they 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 introduced us to the the main cast and uh a couple of antagonists um uh we've got I actually say like they've introduced the main antagonist sort of group the main antagonist yeah. posse um which is like an interesting I mean, potentially interesting thing about the fact that they're sort of curses that have now lived lives and have gained speaking and personalities, which is something that previously curses were not able to do. They were just sort of like mm. motionless zombies, basically, who would just upset people. Yeah, you um, you seem to have like this group which consists of like four four different curses, as three of which who are essentially like elemental. One isn't like a uh, an ocean spirit, the others like a forest spirit, the others uh, like a volcano yeah. spirit, and they've like over time sort of developed grudges against humanity. It's like Gaia theory writ large. Like the the what <laughs> the Earth curses is is the humans who live upon it, and the fourth curse who we're introduced to is the essentially human like. The curse of humans against other humans. It's like all the petty yeah. cruelties and meanness that humans throughout day to day is like coalesced into to one person. And he's he's like the main antagonist of the the, the second half of the arc. I'd say um, his name's uh, Mahito. Um, mm. uh, he's he's like he's got quite an uh, interesting design in that he's his. Uh, he's almost like Frankenstein, like he's like stitched together out out of like different uh, bits, and he can freely sort of his power is supposedly that he can manipulate. He 
he can see the shape of someone's soul which no one else truly can and that allows him to to change both the shape of his soul and the shape of other people's and that is means he can sort of like do that that thing which you'll occasionally see in in shonen anime antagonists where he can change into whatever fighting uh, thing he he wants to um and like that is becomes a little boring after a while because like it's like oh whatever whatever they do he can shift into a new shape and counter it and it's like eh, that, that's kind yeah. of a cheap shot but i do like that they basically say itadori who's like the, the the main um protagonist uh they they do say like okay the way he punches uh, uh essentially because he um has someone else else's soul within him means that this guy can't is he's like an antithesis to him because he can't touch his soul because he he's possessed by this this other um curse so he's so that actually gives you uh, uh this these fights where this incredibly fluid and powerful enemy doesn't have a easy way of dealing with this otherwise very low level person and instead has to just try and um prey on him psychologically which is why we where where we get in the the crux of the season is around um another young man called um uh Junpei uh, who is like this very depressed um young young student at, at a, a high school and he's basically being bullied and uh he's He's gr- developing a growing uh, resentment towards those around him, and uh, we see him becoming quite close to this um, malevolent spirit, like talking to him and sympathizing with his philosophy. And the the show sets it up like, okay, he's a, this here's this very potentially powerful sorcerer, and he's he's being cr- took to the dark side. But it also offers this, these moments of like hope for him when he meets Itadori, and and Itadori's like can-do personality sort of like snaps him out of it for a moment and makes him like think like okay yeah maybe maybe not everyone's a complete shit and <laughs> maybe there is some hope for uh, humanity not just being horrible people and that there are good people out there. But yeah, like that traditional sort of shonen trope of. Of like the main protagonist just loving everything and everyone being a super extrovert and yeah. uh, sort of converting these introverts over to their side. But yeah, and it it sort of plays with that because like in for this entire season in, in the intro, it's always ended with like a scene of all the students for this uh, jujitsu tech, which is like their their magical arts um, school, with a shot of. Like in this like very bucolic um, situation with Junpei and Itadori sitting together along with um, Megumi and all in their jujitsu tech um, uniforms, and that that makes you think, okay, yeah, this guy's going to get salvation by the end of this arc, but um, that's not what happens to him. Instead, he ends up basically just getting used by the curse as a weapon to attack um itadori by using by shaping his soul to turn him into a like a a monstrosity and 
make instead of fighting Itadori by um using violence he he uses psychology he he basically shows okay I, you can't stop you can fight me but you can't actually stop me from hurting other people you you're not powerful enough to do that so because you're at this this low stage in your development i can just keep harming people and yeah you might be able to stop me eventually but in that time i'm just going to keep on on hurting people you care about and even in the the like big big fight which they end it with like his way of, of keeping him out of the fight for a while is by just f- throwing like people at him who just to give him a choice of like, like you either have to kill one of these people who's been turned into a curse or you can't unstop your friend being killed and it's like forcing him to make decisions rather than forcing him to level up his power and that's that's better than most shonen shows it's not it's not like completely new and and fantastic but it's it was the combination of what happened to Junpei being a surprise to me and like him fighting through psychology rather than power one-up and shit was nice and as and perhaps the part you might have enjoyed most were Andy considering your like your love for the surreal parts of this was um um Mahito's uh domain expansion that his moment where he creates his own little world and he does that with hands oh i haven't gotten there yet that's oh, cool it, it, it's, it's it's you'll you'll like your lights it's he basically like you see all these interlocking hands sort of folding towards the camera and sort of coming apart and then new ones coming and it's it's like you've got this cool. hands interlocking around the characters and it's like it's quite quite freaky in in its own little way and so I those domain expansion moments, although it's kind of like a uh, a way of just going, okay, here's this battlefield outside the normal frame of things where you can just blow each other other up and use each other's special attacks however you much you want. It yeah. also just allows them to do these great visuals, and sometimes, sometimes just great visuals are enough. <laughs> and mm. I, I'm prepared to accept it on just the the strength of those. Yeah, no, the the visuals and the fighting has always been like <clears throat> extraordinarily beautiful and extraordinarily like uh, really ki- cinematic and kinetic as well. Like like the amount of movement that goes on in a fight, they they really don't um, they really don't fuck about at all. Uh, I also really like a lot of the sort of supporting cast that we get. So we have like Kento Nanami, who's like the salary man. Yeah, he's uh, great who who powers up by saying oh at four o'clock I, I need to like stop this fight otherwise like so i can go home and then when it comes four o'clock he's like now i'm in overtime like now i'm getting oh like now i'm working extra and it's like really dumb little joke like that that works <laughs> and then i think that there's actually like a real lost joke with uh toge who's one of the supporting characters who can only speak in um uh what is it it's like the, uh, the ingredients ball, of rice, rice balls or something ball, daft yeah rice ball flavorings um and uh i swear there's a whole bunch of lost jokes as to what rice ball flavorings are being used at the certain <laughs> times um but like i think sort of a common one was like ikura is sort of fish ball uh like what's it called salmon roe mm-hmm. and 
Iku is sort of to go. So I think maybe he uses that, says that a okay. lot. So I think that's kind of like a missed joke. I could be imagining things. Well, it he... could just be... No, it seems like the sort of thing which would 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 enjoy that sort of pun. Um, so I can yeah. easily imagine that. Uh, like, as you say, like with Nanami, like him sort of like going into overtime and like his like starts. He's just he's got a uh, Kendra Tsuda is his voice actor, and he's got and for those who don't know him, he's got an incredibly uh distinctive voice he's uh like most recently like we'll probably remember him from um Sarazamai as the older brother and he's just got like this uh, very croaky uh, low voice and it's it's, it's so I was enjoyable more nino uh in aka um, yeah that's that's, a, that's, that's another good one pretty much exactly yeah. his voice he doesn't even really try to change it that much it's yeah. really like nasal um it's a very distinctive voice like you said yeah, and he's um, and it will be coming later where he, he does change it slightly for Ogata in the Golden Camry, but yeah, he, and he, also he, seeing that he's Kai in uh, Hero Aka, which is yeah. also a he, he's he's voice. interesting because he's he he didn't seem to have like to much of an early career. He's not that young, but in the last year or two, he's obviously like just like done really well for himself as as he's found found this niche yeah. for this voice. I mean, and, I couldn't, I couldn't specify but it looks like he's in free as a fairly major part part so i guess that's where he got his platform yeah could be. maybe it's, well it's it's probably worth pointing out that he that he kind of had a pretty diverse uh program like uh like he was a tv guy and, ah, okay. and movie guy too as well as so he just kind of used to do a lot of stuff and now is focusing more on voice acting yeah. is what it looks like. It's it's just such a enjo- great enjoyable voice, and it's just he like the way so laconic and and like yeah, it's it's just like one of those ones it's I'll really always be happy to hear. And I was yeah. in Naruto. As well. I, I yeah, I it's funny to look at. It's funny to look at when people are because uh, for Japanese dubbing of American and uh, foreign films, they usually have someone who's just like the standard person. Mm. Uh, for him and he looks like he is Adam Driver and Aaron <laughs> Eckhart uh, and occasionally he's just done stuff for like Bill Hader and Carl Urban so yeah like you can imagine oh he was he uh, he dubbed for Black Panther Michael B. Jordan <laughs> that's weird in, in Black Panther yeah nice. yeah so yeah. I mean yeah it's 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 definitely a type well, yeah you've... he's he's the official uh, Colin Farrell and Richard Armitage <laughs> and, ja- and Jamie Dornan voice so there you go well uh, it, it I just going back properly focusing back on Jujutsu Kaisen like right it does have <laughs> this this quite rich supporting cast and it does look like the second half is going to be going back to those other students like people mm. like Magumi and uh, Nobra uh, and like do we were introduced to like a, a group this idea that there were going to be group high, group battles between the different high schools, and it looks like we're going to get to see those these minor characters like battling against each other, and just that's kind of like the shonen tournament arc, which is always kind of fillery, but can also it's... be very very pretty to watch. Like the <laughs> My Hero Academia uh, tournament arc. I always thought it was like terrible storytelling, but absolute visual feast. And I'll yeah. put up with the second half, which is kind of like a, a bit, bit less. I mean, Hiroaka does it well because Hiroaka's cast is so diverse yeah. that actually 
like the tournament arc really gave some of the specific some of the characters specifically Todoroki like some real growth and some real depth that he previously didn't have uh I thought that I think that that was maybe a good example of doing a tournament arc well mm-hmm. it's sort of the stuff that they're doing in Hero Aka. um but I am looking forward to seeing where it's going I agree it's probably going to be that because the other conceit right now is that everybody thinks that Yuji is dead um, when he's not, he just, but he did die, but then <laughs> because anime, he came back to life, which is also for what it's worth. Why um, I think that, um, I think that the other guys, uh, what's his name? Um, uh, I've forgotten it now. Uh, Junpei. That's why I think he's also probably going to come back in some shape or form. Mm. Um, I don't I, think so, but we'll, we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. It's shonen. So I don't yeah, know. It's, um, it is indeed very shonen. <laughs> It's weird though, because Junpei is a name. I wonder what it means, like the what the characters mean or something. Because there's also a Junpei in uh, Persona Five who has a very similar sort of character archetype. Okay. Um, I wonder if there's something to do with that name that is linked to it. Um, but yeah, uh, it's a really good show. So yeah. I, I'm I'm enjoying it a lot, and uh, as far as Shonen goes, I think it's pretty good. Yeah. Um, we'll report back at the end of next season to whether or not <laughs> yeah. it's actually had whether a good second up, arc. Whether it holds up, yeah. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah maybe it'll, it'll all completely fall apart. So, and then you can speaking of, sh- of shows which had a, a second season which completely fell apart, uh, I'm going to talk about uh, <laughs> season three of uh, Dan Machi or Is It Wrong to Pick Up Girls in a Dungeon? Um, so previously on uh, Duncan Watch's Dan Machi, season two was freaking trash fire um in all ways shapes and forms um like for me season one of of dan Machi, the most interesting thing about it was this idea of okay you've got this heroic archetype and he's being manipulated into being this like it's 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 greek gods and here's here's their new hercules and here's the process of them exploiting him to get what they want and season two was just him hairing it up with like lots of bad tropes about um, women and lust. Um, and See, that's that's funny because I didn't get any of that from season one. Season one for me was just a complete shit show. Yeah. And, then, and then like, you got a, and then you got a thing which was literally called like Deus Ex Machina. No, it was it was called. We've talked about this before. We can move on. It, yes, it was called <laughs> it was called Argon. It's, it's it's like the Argonaut. It's what, called what, bullshit, Duncan. That's what it's called. Like the entire point <laughs> of it is is that, is that as, he a, can't as a hero, as a hit is that he they give him a power which basically means the more powerful his opponent, the better his chance of beating it. But it's absolutely useless against weaker opponents who are like the same strength of him or weaker. And so he's, it's like, okay, here's the reason this shonen protagonist is going to beat the big bad rather than the far more powerful and experienced uh, adventurers around him. And like, this season was basically going, okay. He's been killing monsters for two seasons. What if the monsters had feelings too? Mm, what if we could talk to them? What if we could talk to the monsters? Indeed, and, classic. And uh, th- what this season says is, if we could talk to the monsters, we'd probably betray each other a lot, and we'd we'd do the same sort of bullshit which we have do to uh, to other humans and to them too. 
and that was kind of good like that there was a there was like a lot of betrayals and like but but ultimately bell was still bell and still this pure pure good boy at the the heart of the the multi-girl harem which the sh- show is they really want to push that don't they yeah, so don't, don't worry. He he's now got a um a a, a sort of a, a voyeur a voyeur. Of, I can't pronounce her her species, but she's like a it's like a um a winged snake girl. So um except she obviously she's she's only a young one. So she's she's only got one wing, and she's just a, a cute young girl with one wing and the red eyes. Andy, so don't worry. That's fine. That's people fine. can still have thousand, people can still have body pillows loads, of her. So. Two thousand year old? No. <laughs> That's usually the other thing, is it? Oh, it's okay. I'm a thousand years old, really. But the no. the one the one good thing about this arc is they've introduced someone uh, a proper antagonist for him. So if he's he's the like guy going into the um, the labyrinth to fight the Minotaur, what if what would happen if the Minotaur's also leveling up at the same time as as he is? And you've you've got this the other character they introduce is basically this Minotaur we see him fight in the first season and, and we think he's defeated, but in fact hasn't and has basically like these other monsters gained sentiments and has decided right. I'm I'm not giving up either. I I want to become a hero. I want to become this this person who helps inspire monsters and allows us to have our freedom. And, like, having that noble antagonist for them, although, like, yeah, it's, it's definitely a trope as well. It's it's actually fairly well well realised, and Dan Machi is not a particularly low-budget it, it, no. it thing. It, it, mm-hmm. it has a lot of lot of uh, money behind it even though andy it is jc stuff so you, you can call it trash um at least it's justified trash yeah it you do get you get some you get this interesting difference in fighting styles between um bell who is just this very agile knife wielding you know firebolt fine just like agile melee fighter and the minotaur who's just like this huge brute force for this thing which is like smashing through walls and headbutting through buildings and it's just this good matchup of styles and it, it it makes interesting viewing and in the end they have the minotaur beat him which is good which is good like that's that's a, that's a mm. good 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 thing but they don't it like instead of him learning anything from this all he learns is I don't want to lose anymore. And it's like, <laughs> well, well done, Belle. Well done. But real, real moment of growth. Yeah. There. <laughs> but I, they almost sell it because, like, Belle has has always been like, okay, I've got, I don't want to harm these monsters now. So it's pra- they have him thinking, oh, perhaps it's better to let the Minotaur win because then he can escape and and I'm not going to be responsible for killing a sentient being. But then they have him reflect, now nah, I wanted to win because I'm a childish kid and, and all that really matters to me is winning. And that's that's kind of my, a moment of revision, like him going backwards instead of going forwards. It's character regression rather than development. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So I was like, well, that's kind of shit. Like, well, I guess that's <laughs> what you're ending on. Okay, fine, fine. Have it your way, Dan Machi. I guess that's that's how, how we're going. Like, so, I don't know. A little disappointed, but the fact that the minus is still around and... I enjoyed that as a as a antagonist, like a, a noble antagonist who's not just like like typically when you'll have a noble antagonist in an anime, it'll be like a, a wronged prince prince or someone, someone driven into exile or whatever. They'll quite often be handsome or um, like they'll be like identifiably either that sort of you'll be able to look at them and go oh yeah he really is actually far more heroic than than people are saying he is instead you've got a, a this huge hulking minotaur who's like lost one arm and his glowing red eyes and puffing smoke out of his his nose and this is the the noble antagonist and yeah i quite enjoy that as a a, a visual contrast right so sh- shall we go from one set of um Idiot gods um, provoking <laughs> in needless wars to another Ben. Yeah. Yep. So all 12 episodes of Sinyoku no Sigurdrifa, Warlords of Sigurdrifa, have aired. Um, I don't think there were any real surprises <laughs> in the last two episodes. No. It ends up that Odin is delusional and does not be- does not want to face that Ragnarok already happened Everyone died. He's the only one laugh left, and Norse mythology has been deleted from the world memory, except for uh, a very rare song that's only really known by a small number of people who apparently have God's blood in their veins, mm-hmm. and that's why they haven't forgotten it. Um, and so everyone gets together, and they literally say, "Like we're gonna do." They, they, so the <laughs> initial attempt to defeat the primary pillar, which is controlling all of the secondary pillars, which is controlling all of the alien invasion stuff. Um, was called Operation Ragnarok. And so they're just like, okay, we're going to do Operation Ragnarok 2. We have less <laughs> less planes, less pilots, less organization, but mm. we we know that we're going to get screwed over halfway through. Mm. It's like trying to raid again in, in the dungeon uh, of an MMO. <laughs> like, well, we have less materials, but we know all the surprises. Yeah, we know and phase we two. We can handle. Yes. <laughs> we know that the boss has a, sec- has a, has a, a second form, a final form. <laughs> Um, and we know he's glowing they basically do it. <laughs> Literally. Yeah. Uh, Claudia uh, confronts Odin and re- rejects once and for all his attempt to like get humanity to wipe itself out so that it can just be like him and the few Valkyries who have proven themselves worthy enough to be elevated towards Godhead. Um, Azu has a great plan that involves talking Odin's ear off to distract him while while Mio comes in and cuts cuts his like Evangelion angel core with her sword. Um I it was it was fine. I mean, like I think we were talking before the before the podcast that if you base how the rest of the show played out from how good you felt about its first episode, it's a disappointment. Yeah. But in terms of how low it was slumping yeah, by like episode eight, nine, or ten, I think it clawed, clawed up to like an acceptable ending. Mm-hmm. It wasn't embarrassing. There was there was some yeah, good art. They true. have a like the pillars aren't all defeated, so we need to train more people. Mm-hmm. And so every, like we're gonna get back to that wonderful base life that they took from Duncan, and he will never forgive the show yeah. for. In in, re- so. in retrospect, Ben, how do you feel about that first episode? Do you think like having that double length first episode actually miss 
missold the show by giving them license to take their time and have a pace which they just fully could not replicate it at any other point I think it was a mistake more for them than for me. Like for me, I'm trying very hard to always have, we'll always have that first episode. We'll always have this like leisurely introduction of the world. Yeah. Like the the time for nice asides that aren't just like frantically flung at the wall fan service that the show like really got in a bad habit of doing by the end of being like, fuck, here's some, here's some Zetai Ryoki. Here's some, here's some cleavage shots. Like, please, we're doing our best. Like, the, But the, that like having yeah. slow jokes, actual payoffs, um, I think it fooled them that they could do that they could do a two core anime in in one core yeah. during a pandemic with a first time a first time script writer, although a very experienced writer. Mm. Um, we're not to the length of like J.K. Rowling and the Fantastic Beasts series in terms of like this person needs to have their ideas filtered through a script writer. Mm. But it does seem like there was a lot of focus missing and. I like I said I don't think I was misled as much as they misled themselves that they could that they could make a different kind of show and watching watching them frantically changing the rail gauge in front of them as the as the engine steaming <laughs> forward um went from inspiring to cringy to I don't know it's fine it's fine I got some good good stuff I liked that uh that Sonica like ejected her her seaplane pylons to kill to to kill one of the the undead pilots trying to kill them and there were some good moments where where it's like you're not you're not destroying the world you're just lonely and he's like fuck that you don't know me and then it was all and all a distraction uh, for them to like uh, take him out Odin was so <laughs> so like his uh, like there's a a style of um, animating crazy within anime, yes. which really I get get I do not like at all. It's just so it gives over. away the game. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and literally they had him laughing manically so hard he basically he went limbo. He he basically yeah. went like ninety degree horizontal, leaning backwards, and it was just farcical and th- th- then we get shots of him of his face from below like yeah eyes wide he grinning tiny tiny pupils big big eyes yeah. maybe tears at the corners i've been just to- total total yandere yeah i odin was a was a like the arc of his character makes sense but the beats for how it was played out mm. was often felt like oh shit we haven't set this up yet uh anyway he's yeah um there were good like his relationship with with uh claudia i liked where he where she was just like i'm not your daughter you're delusional and he's like if you were my if you were my daughter weren't my daughter you could kill me and she's like fine (laughs) and it just blows up his illusion it doesn't actually kill him but it's Mm -hmm. like yeah his as an antagonist he wasn't really well paced out, but yeah. that's everything about the show. So. I mean, the show didn't really ha- like. I mean, like we we talked when we talked about this originally. We talked like how Eva uh, is like obviously what it's cribbing from in many ways. Like how that show shifts the antagonist from like this outward thing to this inward threat, and it, it this attempts the mm-hmm. same, but because. Odin's motivations are so thinly sketched out and his trauma is so abstract it it, it fails to sell it um and I, I yeah there was a lot of like 
world building that I ultimately think wasn't necessary, which is a very weird thing for me to be saying. But we don't need to understand the life cycle of the aliens because ultimately they're made up by Odin to destroy humanity. The fact that we lay down all these rules so that like seven or eight episodes later, you can be like, oh, it's all it's all a farce. It's all a farce to to fool humanity like means that we should have had more characterization of Odin in those moments or more characterization of any character that wasn't the the prime four characters. It just, like I said, it's just, it feels like an inexperienced screenwriter writing under bad circumstances. Yeah. And it's a shame because I really liked this. I really liked parts of this all the way through. And I really liked what it was selling in the first couple of episodes. So. I mean, there was like some, I think like one of my favorite little scenes was, uh, um, Azu and uh, Odin playing video games together. Uh, yeah, early, and that was <laughs> that was quite fun. Like to have him, like interrogating this um, person who he'd picked as like, okay, you're gonna you're like one of the most promising humans. Even though I think little of humans, but your problem uh-huh. is you, you think too much and like to like point out to her her problem with overthinking, and then to have like the. F- sort of this last thing in the final episode is that she basically gets him to to mo- to monologue and book and overthink yeah. <laughs> what she's doing was actually kind of nice but it just there's just... Bo- there's bones everywhere of like good stuff in this show which is makes it more frustrating sorry go ahead i just agree completely that's a great point it's like there was something there but they just spent so much time on just faff rather than the the yeah. fact that they they actually had a really strong quartet and if they just developed Odin more and possibly de- or more importantly developed one of their uh, relationships more with him like we're, we're told Claudia has like this really strong relationship with him but apart from the re- revelation that oh the, the reason she always survives every, every battle is because he lets her yeah. we don't really get any sense of that yeah oh she's special to him but you don't. He doesn't treat her like she's special, or talk to her like she's special, or show her things like she's special. We're just well. He just told he just it. like bugs her all the time. Yeah. He just shows up and he's like, "Hey, I want to talk some," and and you're my favorite, so you have to listen. And she's like, "Okay, fine." Um, but yeah, like it just makes me think like there's a lot of stuff here that are grace notes that would be like nice hooks and good fleshing out in a in a novel, but this aren't a show. Like, why does Norse mythology have to not exist anymore? Is the ultimate upshot like? The gods are already like like if if the Norse mythology gods were real and they died, it would make more sense that they wouldn't delete their legends from existence. They would just stay legends because the gods are dead because we're living in the modern era where all the gods were dead. And that's like literally almost an episode's worth of time. They've just freed up to do other stuff to like make <laughs> it about how like Odin's bored. And it's also something which like actually takes away something po- poignant from um. Odin himself and from everyone else like surely the most tragic thing is like for Odin would be to to see like all these memories of his his civilization like misremembered by humanity and like constantly reminded of of the people he loved and cared for and and instead, oh no, you've just you've just forgot about us. Yeah, and and we wouldn't have to go to the extremely weird detour of going to an alternate reality that is like Odin's reality to discover that Norse mythology existed at one point in time. It's it's a really 
I can tell why the ReZero guy would think that that's a really clever idea, but I do not. I do not think that it yeah. it earned its time in the show. And there's a lot of stuff that didn't earn its time in the show because, like, the best parts, which are the weirdness of a god starting a fake war with aliens to like cause the apocalypse that's already transpired in his cosmo cosmogony is fascinating. Um, the, 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 the core four, the plane stuff, the, like the weirdness of that, the fact that all three of the helper guys die at the end in a pretty brutal scene where the undead, like zombie of Thor, which is another pretty poignant thing is that like Odin's using his own son's dead body or like, obviously some sort of like dark magic body to like firing lasers and he's swinging this hammer and then all three of the jets are like the bodyguard guys we've joked before like they never seem to get hurt despite the fact that they're called the shield squadron they just crash into the hammer to keep it from coming down on mio and that's like a good idea like there's this show's full of good ideas and i wish that anime was prone to remakes of mediocre stuff as opposed to only remaking the really great stuff because i could see in 10 years this yeah. this getting refurbished pretty effectively but I doubt it'll get anything except for maybe some animation sprucing up in the Blu-rays, which I will download or watch. Sorry, bye. <laughs> <laughs> this is like a weird question, weird wondering. Like, why does this exist? Because, like, it doesn't feel like it's an it's an original work, right? Mm -hmm. And it's an original work, and it's only twelve episodes. So you'd think within that that time, you want to tell a very specific story to te to tell to get across some point about something or to uh, have this central problem raised and resolved in a way which says something. But instead, we kind of get like the first core of a two-core or flying girl show. Like, it feels like th this, maybe that, that was the idea. Right, we'll, we'll launch this, and if it does well, we'll have a second one. But I mean, I think, I think where you are, you're like, now you're on tiny brain. What's really galaxy brain <laughs> is the fact that they can just blow this up. No matter how well or badly it does, they can blow this up to a massive franchise. Already... Yeah, they've already. If if you look on the Wikipedia page, they already have two not two 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 novel light novel series that came out in the spring and summer, and there's a manga that kicked off concurrently, like literally a day after the uh... the, the TV show that is currently airing and planning to run for a while. So and then there'll probably be a video game. That's gasher elements like it will all kick off collect and... your playing girls yeah yeah like people will do it they'll love it so sorry would... two sorry two two ongoing manga series um but they all they all seem to be pre presented as spin-offs which is weird because like i don't know why someone would want to come back to this world for more shit in this world like the story <laughs> itself was the good part like like the main four the setup like like Odin's dead. Like this is mop up operations are what's going to happen afterwards. It's just it's weird. It's weird. I, weird. How, how is like Odin? But how are the gods represented? Are they represented <laughs> in like any particularly interesting way? Is it just like a normal? Dude? No, he's he's a, he's a little boy. What? He's a little boy. <laughs> what the fuck do you mean he's a little boy? Like a shot he's like kid. a little boy with he's like a little boy with like with like light blue hair and a jumper, and he wears an eye patch. Okay. His eyes are red. Sure. Um, he can he can transform into the older version, and they have him like uh, when they finally do the flashbacks to to Ragnarok, um, they like show that he used to be this way. And so, in a way, this is again a weirdly smart thing that's not called out of like he's regressed literally to this child form where he's just like, well, 
if Ragnarok happened, then humanity doesn't deserve to be alive either. So I'm going to have a real Ragnarok where I exterminate most of the humankind. But yeah, just the way this was troubled, how it was meant to air in July, but it got pushed back to October because of the pandemic. And then it still obviously had budget and scheduling issues. I this is a casualty of the pandemic, which is a, a flip thing to say when so many people have 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 mm. passed unjustly. Mm. But it is tough to watch like something that could have been better. It could have been above average. <laughs> I mean, it and sounds it like it, was average. it sounds like the main problem is the writing rather than the actual presentation. So I don't know whether it would have changed. I don't know. I, I wonder if, if schedules were slipping and obviously they slipped enough that they had to throw in a, a recap episode. I just wonder if maybe that these were some ep- like the episodes where like nothing seemed to happen were episodes that were picking up the slack after they'd combined two plots. Like, I, I don't know. We'll, we'll probably will never know mm. because studios are pretty secretive about this unless someone actually goes out there and talks about it. But, yeah. um, well, with sort of like the high profile of the ReZero guy, you'd imagine that yeah. something will come out. And it seems like if he's writing these light, I reckon these light novels must be written by him, right? Yeah, that would make sense, wouldn't it? Well, uh, let's see. Sorry. <laughs> keep keep vamping. Because I was just saying, like, if he if he's written those light novels for the first two volumes, he would have been able to write more and then he'll be able to continue the story such that if it gets yeah. the second season... That makes will... a lot, lot of sense. Like, that actually re- he goes into something I was going to ask. Like, if we're saying part of the, what this was created for was to create these uh, multimedia... Uh, franchises to to basically launch the manga and the light novels like my thought is like in a year where physical um prop media is become almost taboo where you're you're literally bookshops are shut because you can't borrow things you can't pick up something someone else has picked up what's that do to light novel and manga sales i can't imagine it's been good even though japan's handled it better than either of our cursed states. Um, I I'm still... not worried. Considering, considering Japan is still managing to pump out Blu-rays and CD sales at a ridiculous amount. But that's so different. So that they can get little... It's not, think... it's the same. Just because no, they can get little tickets so that they can vote for their favourite idol in a show. Like, but but you, 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 you pick up and you read, you handle a book you in a way that you don't pick up and handle a DVD. Uh, and I think... Th- like... like Book book shops are a, th- a thing in a way that DVD shops aren't, and I, yeah, I, I can't true. imagine it hasn't had some impact. It may not have been like a, a, a the catastrophic impact it's had on UK um, newspaper and like I know like UK newspaper circulation has got massively hit, and as has book selling. So I, it may have not been the same, but I can't imagine it's had no impact. I have a feeling that the need for physical media is always going to be there. Yeah. Case in point, vinyl now being having a massive resurgence in popularity. But, but so, it's still, you don't, you don't. Well, well, actually, no. Some people do. I was going to say you don't rub your hands across the vinyl, but you do if you're a DJ. So that's no, quite... uh, yeah, sure. But you, I mean, you, you clean a vinyl. There's, but there's. I, I'm more just saying. Is your point that because of the Rona, people are going to get more? You got to get sickness out of it, or people. Like there's there's definitely a um a taboo against going into a bookshop at the moment and leafing through a book. 
I just it's a boo about going to a shop and picking up an item. Yeah, right? and, yeah. Right. I, I do. Th- I do think that there. It's a matter of. It's a matter of scale and not kind, though. Like, I think bookstores inherently have a little bit more browsing uh, as part of their as part of their experience. You very rarely walk into a video store to see what video you're going to get, and I think that does that does happen a bit more with books. So there's much more of a lingering and. And a, feeling around situation, but you can't really. You can, read, you can, of course, but you can't really read a book in a book. You can't go to Borders and like pick up a book and be like, "Is this good? I don't know. Let's read a chapter or two. Like you don't really do that, really, do you? I guarantee you, as someone who worked at at a Borders, yes, people do yeah. do that. Okay, and, fair and, enough. Like, <laughs> and, the, and like the other thing which comes to me is like things like things like sh- like Shonen Jump are like compilation things which are which are traditionally like cheap pulp um put out e- either depending on the publication either weekly or monthly and like the like just like in the same way that no one wants to go to their local news agent to get a newspaper at the moment no one's going to want to go down to their manga shop to pick up their their, their weekly jump I, I think it can't have, it has to have hit that sort of, of thing. The kind of thing I wonder, because a lot of people do sort of, the the thing that you do see is, is people waiting and picking up the latest volume of Jump and then like reading through it at the 7-Eleven before they have to go into work. So I wonder if that actually increases sales because it means that people aren't just picking up, reading the chapter they want to read and then putting it back down. Less people browsing. <laughs> yeah, like you've got to remember that... Uh, Pan can be a bit behind on the time. I don't think it's going to damage it at all because at the end of the day, stuff that makes the sales interesting is the quality and the content. And even if people aren't still aren't buying it, the hype is still there for their product and people do like reading manga physically and online. Also, a lot of the resale stuff is quite popular. Like Book Off is a huge fucking deal in Japan. Reselling stuff is a huge deal like manga so i personally don't think it's gonna go but anywhere. like like the, the, you just like said literally a used bookseller is a, is like a huge driver of sales and like you can't literally can't do that in corona times like it's just n- not something you can do like unless you're literally disinfecting every book but anyway, let's 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 move on to to the. Ha- let's move on. Let's move on to the happy uh, places. Yeah, <laughs> yeah well, quick, quick, quickly to sum up, I um, I liked Seeker Drifa enough that I will watch more if there is more. If they decide to, if they decide to adapt Warlords of Seeker Drifa, the Hero's Madness, which is one of the two, uh, spinoffs mangas along with, uh, Warlords of Seeker Drifa Non Scramble, which I guess is probably like a slice of life daily stuff because it's not scrambling we've got one for me one for you ben <laughs> i'll watch both i liked i liked the fucking around the base stuff just as much as you did i just also like oh they're gonna be in planes a lot okay i can live with that too uh, <laughs> okay but speaking of <laughs> speaking of more questions of adaptation uh we also watched uh the third season of golden kamui uh, this has been airing inter- intermittently for years now after we ag- predicted that it was going to get adapted very early in this podcast's history. Mm-hmm. And yeah, what did you think, Duncan? Mm, well, <laughs> like if, if, we've, if we're criticizing Sigrifa for like going off on, on one to fill, fill time, like, dear God, we've got a prime offender here. It's like actual plot development like i think you things things that were different at the end of the season versus at the beginning of the season yes 
go ahead, Duncan. Sorry. But it's like so. Uh, at the end of the the previous season, um, uh, Wilk, the, the father of uh, our heroine Asepa, uh, has been shot uh, during a prison break, along with uh, our hero Sugimoto, uh, by a sniper called Ogata, who's uh, working with a uh, sort of. How how would you describe Kiraranki Ben? Like he's he's like a freedom fighter for ethnic minorities in Japan. Yes, he's a um, as they said. I think the the exact phrasing, at least but through the translation, was uh, someone fighting for independence um, for indigenous people yeah, in the Far that's... East. So and so we're we're left with um, Asipa and Kiraranki and their little band heading north to like try and track down something about her, her father and reunite with uh, people who have known him to like trigger her memories, which will unlock right. this map, which is this map, which is on the, like the central thing of like the, the, the first season. We've, we've like, been, we're so far from that. Which now, was like, the okay, thing. there's this treasure map and it's on the bodies of all these prisoners and like the, 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 and whoever finds all these prisoners and gets copies down the patterns on their skin will find out where this, what this treasure is. And like, Oh wait, never that. mind. <laughs> it's, it's in code. Fuck you. So. <laughs> wait, what is it? Sorry. It's in what? It's in code. Yeah. Like, no one can understand it except for Asirpa, based on some secret thing shared between her and her father. So it, like, literally undermines the, like... When I was complaining this whole season, this whole season about, like, why aren't they in a hurry? Like, isn't isn't there a race? Isn't the whole point of this show that there's a race to find the gold? And the answer is that it's not a race anymore. It's coded, and only Asirpa can understand it because it's based on a piece of information that her father told only her before going to prison and then died. So... <laughs> That sounds really similar to the sort of a part of the plot of um, that remake of the uh, Tezuka anime that we watched, Duncan. Oh, wait, uh, Dororo? Dororo, yeah. Yes. The little kid has a tattoo of a treasure on the back, on her back, on his back. Oh, I guess, in a, in <laughs> a way. But that, that's, 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 in a way. But that's not, that's not a matter of, of someone having to decode it. It's, it's there. It, it's fundamentally I thought, still. I thought there was a part exactly that where his father said something and only he knew where the treasure was because of that you're possibly right but <laughs> <laughs> i i feel like like doro for its meant for its many many problems did <laughs> did not then spend like an entire season just get basically throwing flashbacks at at the a character to remind them of of what their dad was like yeah, let's let's quickly quickly run through. So, what happened at the end of the second season, as you said, Duncan? Um, Ogata, the like emotionless sniper killer, um, with the with the uh, the collaboration of Kurinosuke, um, Ersipa's father's friend slash brother in arms slash kind of her like creepy Dutch uncle. Um, like they they conspire to kill Noparabo slash. Uh, Wilk, her father, uh, father, and to kill Sugimoto so they can steal her away and they can get the gold for themselves by convincing her that the people that she was originally with, her friends, are dead. Um, and meanwhile, Sugimoto is rescued by other members of the military organization that is trying to get the money so they can build a 
a like free republic dedicated to Japanese warrior ideals in Hokkaido. Um, and they're looking for a Sirpa. And for literally nine episodes, they just fuck around as they drift slowly north. They go to uh, uh, Sakhalin or Sa- Sakhalin, um, the uh, the island that's north of Hokkaido. Uh, that's now Russian territory, but at the at the time before World War II was partially occupied by Japan. Um, they join a circus. They do all this like stuff, and then they finally just run into each other because they have to break into they have to break into another pr- a Russian prison to break out this woman named Sophia, who was the third member of like the little cell that was um, Kurnoske yeah. and uh, and uh. Wilk slash Noparabo, um, so that she can remind a Sirpa of what her father would have considered worthy of being a code for the skins so they can get the money. <laughs> and then just like a string of question marks just for the next like two, <laughs> two, two lines. Um, so do they successfully like the whole thing about them trying to assassinate them and not assassinate them and trick them? Does that work then? Or does it not? It feels like a lot of filler just because like, <laughs> right, okay. I mean, like the back the back stories are interesting. It's interesting to to move in this like it makes it makes the Ainu focus of the show seem richer and more deliberate. That it's like, oh, actually, this is a show that's just going to be that's going to be covering all of these like indigenous peoples like dying out traditions. And they make that literally the text that that Kurosawa's end goal. Although we know that he betrayed Wilk at some point, and Sophia's mad at him about that, and now he will never know because. Uh, Kiranowski dies at the end of the <laughs> at the end of the season, um, but like he's literally doing this to like to create a rep- like a, a trans northern republic of like Siberia and Kamchatka and Hokkaido and Sakhalin. This this like this like international preserve kind of, of of native practices, and he just says it specifically so that their their language doesn't die, their gods don't die, their customs don't die, their ways of life don't die, and that's cool. Um, and it's just like, but there's just so much fucking around, and we learn every single soldier. We learn why they're they're loyal to the lieutenant with the with the blasted off face, who whose name I cannot remember, Sorry. even though the, even though they say it constantly. Like I actually like the, I didn't uh, like we have two two parts to their time wasting one time wasting shenanigans which is things like the circus and the wrestling the circus yes and that and the and the uh, and the, the the steam lodge and whipping each yeah. other with the branches and, 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 and those yeah. are just pure shenanigans and they're, yes. they're they're actually kind of entertaining despite <laughs> just being shenanigans <laughs> They're funny, except that I'm just incensed that they're filler <laughs> in a show that always had a fairly forward momentum, despite how much Golden Kamui yeah. loves to goof off. And then, as you say, we have part two, which is the flashbacks. The flashbacks for everyone. Like, I think the entire cast, apart from um, their, their sort of one character, the... I, he, I, I, don't, I think he's one of the lieutenants who becomes an acrobat and... They yes, and we don't. He's kind of introduced at the end of the 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 second season, and we meet him very briefly. And now he's the leader of this small troop of of men. And while each of them gets a little backstory, we don't get any of his. Um, he's he's just like got a really aggressive crush. Uh, Koito is his name. He's just got a really aggressive crush on 
God, scrolling frantically through all the characters. There's so many characters. Surumi, Lieutenant Surumi. Surumi, Koito yes. meaning love, of course. Koito is it? Love. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, maybe that's, maybe that's why, why he doesn't get any flashback. We're supposed to cotton on to that <laughs> and go, oh, he's just obsessed with Surumi. So, um, yeah. but yeah, it's, it's weird that the one character who I f- felt like we needed some extra info on so we could understand why he's doing this gets none of it, but every other character gets a flashback. And yeah. Who is it? Who's the one who is it? Tsukishima, who just has this, this really, it's, it's a beautiful story, but it, it's literally just like where he, he was thrown in jail for killing his father and no one knew why. And then we find out it's because his father like abused and then sent away his fiance while he was at the war or he, while he was gone. And then he gets in prison and then he's broken out of, he's like let out of prison by Tsurumi uh, because he wants him to fight. And he lies about how, about who was at fault for the murder to like, to like jazz him up. There's just a, like, they have these really complex backstories, but that was like the whole episode was just like, Hey, you know, that soldier who's just like, kind of in the background of a lot of the shots this season here's here's like his deal holistically here's all of it but does it does it here's enrich, all it, does it enrich the characters was it actually serving the plot in any way it doesn't uh, so, serving serving the plot absolutely not yeah it, it's, <laughs> enriching it's, the characters your mileage may yeah. vary with not depth andy i'd say it broadens yes. yeah. broadens our knowledge it doesn't deepen it um and then then we have like the specifically the stuff around uh wilk which and his the fact that 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 he assassinated the russian czar he he was the yes. member of people's <laughs> will who chucked the bomb at the czar and killed him and like that, and that's why he's got a fucked up scarface so. and like that fact is kind of kind of mad kind of like okay uh it's it's like if like there's not that many figures out it's like that if you'd had like I don't know. Lee Harvey Oswald suddenly becomes like, oh yeah, that's that that character's dad is Lee Harvey Oswald, and no one <laughs> no one realized that till this point. And like, it seems somewhat strange that uh, it's like, oh yeah, by the way, yeah. In yeah. case you were, wondering. I always I always feel this threat. I, I think of it as the Assassin's Creed issue of where like. <laughs> Everybody famous during historical period knew each other and was directly involved in whatever like faffy like alternate history slash sci-fi thing you're doing. Like, and I don't think Golden Kamui ever goes that far. But like, when we find out that the man who taught uh, Kiranke's, I've been calling him Kiranosuke, just too many anime names, Kiranke and Wilk. And Sophia's terrorist cell was Lieutenant Surumi in his previous life as a Japanese spy. Like, I I don't get thrills out of that level of interconnectedness anymore. And maybe that's because I'm a crusted over terrible person. <laughs> but like, it feels it feels like nerd canon shit of like, well, mm. Uncle Grandpa appeared in Steven Universe, and therefore all of Uncle Grandpa's canon for Steven Universe and how nerds love to build these just like massive superstructures of meta continuity. And it feels like a smaller version of that. Like I don't need little Lieutenant Surumi could have had a normal life. He didn't need to secretly be a spy who also taught a bunch of Russian revolutionaries how to speak Japanese yeah. so they could disappear into Hokkaido society. <laughs> I, it's it like 
it makes the world feel small. It's a Star Wars effect. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's, it, was, it was almost to me like an, uh, one of the Avengers films where every every hero needs to get his moment in the spotlight, and we have to right. have to make sure <laughs> right. every every single title in the in the Marvel stable uh, gets its due. Because when uh, Surumi Chan the manga comes out, uh, you've got to make sure there's enough people <laughs> who are interested in it. Oh God, that's not. That's not a bad prediction, to begin. Oh, that, that makes my me heart sick. Oh, geez. Um, but let's let's, but, let's let's talk about how it ended anyway. Um, which, <laughs> which is is with a big old old messy fight on an on a ice floe in between. Yeah, the... that was good. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. So we we have we we end with a, a fight on in a blizzard on an ice floe oh, in between the, uh, pe- the the mainland and the peninsula where they we've decided okay the way we get back now is we go across this frozen over strait of water and like this idea like which we, anyone who's like seen any show about the Arctic where if someone gets separated from the group or 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 falls into the danger just these mundane like moments like if you move away from someone if you fall like just these small things are life ending and like these two groups trying wandering across this white landscape featureless yet also completely obscured by this constant blizzard and these moments where they meet and suddenly fight that that was actually a well constructed li- little arc but i would put it even farther if that that the violence is almost always precipitated by a gunshot and this has the, mm, yeah. the interesting effect of when violence happens it's the only it's the only thing that people can orient themselves by so mm-hmm. so people groups keep coming together because someone fired off a gun um and there are the and yeah, there's these panics, and we have this nice thing, nice thing where Ogata is like recognizing that's a black powder, that's a black powder rifle, uh, that's really weird. I wonder who that is. Um, and then people being able to tell these 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 gun reports, and how much more stressful it is that when finally people start fighting with uh with blocks of ice or, or knives, and how that stuff is silent, and how literally someone could be just a few dozen feet away from you fighting for their life and you can't hear it or see it because it's in a blizzard. It's really cool. And the fact that just like things are breaking apart, like usually it's kind of corny for like, Oh no, a suddenly a rift opened in the, in the, in the fight. This is definitely not a shonen anime. Um, but in this, it, it felt dramatic. And, and then we also just got the pat- patented, like, Golden Kamui gross weirdness where uh, when Asirpa and Sugimoto are finally oh, okay. reunited, she hugs him around the waist and her eyelid gets stuck to one of his one of his metal buttons, and so they have to have a uh, they have to have what's his face Shiraishi pee on, pee on them, and so there's just like a like the glistening like tinkling bells like reunion like glowing reunion tableau but there's just like streams of water strung back and forth <laughs> and, and <laughs> they, they, they even have this line like uh, she, he, he, t- he turns to Sugimoto and goes you're crying aren't you and uh, you're just so glad to, to see again you're crying and he's like no that's your pee <laughs> <laughs> no that's pee and it's just like no expression he's, he's still beaming he's like no you're peeing on me uh, the, the strength of the core three is so good and it's been wild that they prolonged them being separated for so long. I appreciate the reunion. I appreciated even the kind of hokey thing of 
where Ogata, who's obsessed as, as a sociopathic veteran sniper, he is deeply offended by people who say that like killing is wrong and that you can go through your entire life without killing people. Um, and so he just has like this weird fetish of making people kill each other. And so he wants a Sirpa to kill him. He's like, I killed your. He's like, I killed your dad. Now you can kill me. You have a reason now. Everyone kills if they have a reason. And she's like, no, I won't. But then, yeah, she accidentally fires an arrow in his eye and they like and Sugimoto runs over and like tears out the arrow and starts sucking out the poison on the arrow because like he's like, no, I'm not going to have you kill her. Like, that's hokey. That's super, mm. super. That's the sort of like principle that that protagonists in anime and manga love to stand on. But I think no real person spends that much time worrying about like if they've if they've ever taken a human life unjustly um i mean maybe i don't know it's weird i mean it's like but just like even even indulging that like it was still like a confirmation of their relationship mm-hmm. and their bond and how good they are together and it's good that the show knows it notionally yeah i mean it's it's as you say it's it felt like they haven't made like considering how many animals they kill and eat, like the, and how <laughs> gleefully, yeah, gleefully, and and very much like like Asirpa's very is portrayed as a hunter. Like you 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 think maybe this is just like someone who's never hunted in his life speaking and who's literally a vegetarian. Think is like you'd think someone who kills and kills regularly, even if it's animals, would. Like, even if they are still, like, any human is squeamish about killing another human, like, that it would not be, like, some world-ending trauma to them. That, on some level, if you've killed something, you're you're used to that thing struggling and, and not wanting to die. And, like, yeah. that must steal you to some degree... And yet we're we're getting Asirpa almost damseled because oh no we all in this anime full of huge muscly men we can't let the only girl kill someone. Yeah, well it's it's the whole purity thing, which is something that anime and really Japanese culture in general has a thing about of like we don't want to sully her. We have to have yeah. pure people who who are beloved by God, and so like. It it does suck to see a Sirpa, who's a very rich character, be reduced to a symbol of someone who whose hands, as you say, Duncan, are covered in blood from a very logical standpoint, but who hasn't who hasn't shed human blood. I'm, I can't even be sure of that. Who hasn't killed a human being mm-hmm. is is the only thing I can say for sure. I don't know. It's it's anime. That's that's literally yeah. just. I was and, just like and, whatever. Yeah, that's and the, dumb. and even like with Ogata, his his flashback episode is all about his brother, who's a who's a standard bearer for a regiment, and the, the idea that the standard bearer uh, doesn't have a, a rifle. He's just carrying the standard. So he's mm-hmm. he, as you say, he's pu- like you, you talked about. Uh, they have this idea that the standard bearer has to be someone who's particularly pure, who's an mm-hmm. example to everyone because of that purity, and because that purity is favoured by the gods, and so will not die in battle, and so the standard will get carried successfully. And Okatar kills his brother because he can't stand that idea. Yeah, and he tries to. He tries to. He, he tries at first to to, to get him laid him. at a at a at a at a sex at a brothel, and then his brother refuses because like, no this is important to me i want to be 
if people believe in me, I want to be the symbol that they believe. And he's like, no, it's fine. You can, you can do it. I won't tell anybody you, everyone will think you're pure. And he's like, but I won't be. And so he kills him yeah. in battle. He shoots and, him in the back. And like that, and it's, that feels that's, like... that's the one flashback that had to happen yeah. as opposed to all of the, like the, the people's will and, shit. And that, so... and that also feels like a, a wasted opportunity that his, his reaction to like, we also get told that Wilkes sees, um, Asirpa as possibly a future leader for the Ainu resistance. Mm-hmm. Like she will be the one to lead them to to freedom, etc. And in a way, and that's that, why she has to have the money. Yeah. yeah. But in in a way, where you could say that means that she has to become like that flag bearer. She has to become an an icon for the Ainu. And like having Ogatar realize that and decide to kill her because of that would be a far more interesting thing to me rather than him deciding to kill her because he won't she won't kill him out of revenge just some weird abstract moral moral qualm that he has yeah, yeah. like re- i don't know like realizing like she's the, like this symbol for all i knew kind of like okay well i can't let that happen like that that would make some sense instead it's like nah she she, she i killed your dad and you didn't get mad so <laughs> yeah i don't know the, the... There are, I can see a, a slightly cleaned up version of this season that focuses a lot on like people's reasons for killing because the one time we do actually see them going after a skin is when they're going after the one like uh, ex-assassin from the from the Bakamatsu period um, who is completely like completely lost to dementia, has no idea what's yeah. going on. Um, but when people threaten him, he like falls back into a fantasy. We actually have a pretty cool scene a cool thing where like they're cutting between what he thinks he's seeing. It's all just kind of like Veroni Kenshin OVAs, mm. uh, trust and betrayal stuff. Um, and then cutting back into the much more, much more prosaic uh, and mundane world of Golden Conway, which it feels weird to say that Golden Conway is anything but mundane, but compared to like the vivid colors and like the huge streamers of blood and stuff. And then finally him, when he's talking to uh, Hijikata Toshio, Toshizo and he's like, it's great that you survived the war. I really didn't. And I've been waiting to die for a long time. Um, and I think there's a certain like poetry and meaning in it being you being the one who kills me. And like, that's to have, to have that more strongly juxtaposed against the purity arguments um, surrounding Asirpa and Ogata, even surrounding the, the terrorist history of Wilk and uh, Kiraranke, Kiraranke, yeah. um, creepy uncle. Um, would be would be interesting but it just it felt like kind of that they were just churning through churning through manga material to get back to the plot um it was a very it's it was weird too to be online just people being oh now i understand what now i understand (laughs) what uh what tanigaki's deal is now i understand what uh tsukishima's deal is these are like people people online clearly found it really impactful to have these like minor supporting characters have these extremely rich backstories and i'm happy for them i'm happy that this anime that this filler content worked for somebody but it felt so much like filler to me and i was so relieved when they when I was relieved when the the jailbreak of the Russian prison happened, even though it was comically weird that like all their explosives, like half their explosives didn't go off because they'd been stored improperly. And then a tiger came through the one hole that did happen just like out of nowhere, (laughs) just a tiger showed up and started killing people. And they're like, ah, tiger. (laughs) That's that's where we do find out Kiranki's name means tiger and or his, his code name was Tiger, so... Yeah. And that, and that seems to be the only reason it happened, frankly. <laughs> <laughs> like, 
Like in, in a weird way, like there was like in some some of the bits they had, like the, they have a sniper battle early on, and mm-hmm. in some That's ways I too, think yeah, that might have been to both give us a bit more information on Ogata and also to kind of ground us ready for the ice flows to give us this idea of how soldiers fight can fight by sound and uh, how the, that first shot being fired can be what decides to fight because you know where someone is and so that's yeah. given us information which later they can play off for dramatic effect on the ice flows um, and in if I'm being incredibly generous yeah the tiger was a way for them showing that these animals can move across these ice flows, so therefore so can humans. And but that was just so <laughs> so so just clumsy that it, it yeah there was no. Point I think I it. think this was clearly a problem a problem of adaptation and maybe like Golden Conway struggled with how many like asides and detours it has, and I think the previous solutions have been to shove them into OVAs, but but they clearly wanted. Sugimoto, they didn't want to gloss over the parts where Sugimoto and Asirpa were separated. They didn't want to have the the People's Will OVAs. They didn't want to have the, the Russia OVAs. They wanted this to be a main part of the story. And I honestly found it largely wasted time as much as I do enjoy the show overall. Um, but like I said, other people clearly enjoyed it. And who am I to impugn the taste of my anime list reviewers? Do you know, so, do we, do you know at all, Ben, when, when they're going to resume it? Are we going to be waiting a while for this fourth season or? I've, I've heard no, no word of a fourth season. Um, how long was it between the first two? It was a while. I think it was at least, a, at least a year or so. So, yeah. So, so the first, the first one aired in, let's go to the list of episodes so I could just look. Uh, first one aired in April 9th. Second one aired on April 9th, 2018. Then October 8th, 2018. So it's been it's been two years yeah. since the last one, this last season. So hopefully it'll be less than that because I had I, when I first started watching this, I'm like, wait, why aren't Sugimoto and Asirpa together? Why? Uh, where is where are these characters? Um, but yeah, no words. Um, well, people people think that 2000 and, uh, 2021 is unlikely um given mappa's commitments so yeah. mappa's commitments so yeah well let let's finish off this uh this tale of 2020 with my favorite show of the uh the, this winter season goodness um uh, which was sleepy princess in the demon castle i did not expect to be my favorite show of this season when we started <laughs> out but nevertheless and that uh, by in this, as you said at the start, Ben, this very uneven season by being incredibly reliable comedy. Like sometimes there is a value in a show which just week after week hits its punchline just every single time. And mm-hmm. it's just reliably fu- funny and has a single absurd situation and just knows how to make make it work knows how to not over not make that overuse it so much it becomes boring but keep the central absurdity there and just heighten it and and this i this reverse um so the the plot of sleepy princess in the demon castle is a sleepy princess is kidnapped and held hostage in the demon castle but the in 
Rochard in Watchmen style, they're trapped in there with her, is, is, <laughs> the, is the spin. And it's just... It was... For, like, three quarters of, of the arc, that was it. It was just, okay, she's here, she's doing these incredibly daft and over-the-top things just to get these components to craft her her perfect sleeping compo- things, like a, a, making a perfect bed sheets out of ghosts or uh, getting slime to make a uh, waterbed and just, <laughs> like, killing her way through these, this dungeon to just get a good night's sleep. And it continued that way pretty much until its end. In, But part of what made it so charming was, like, how put upon her jailers become, like how exasperated they are that she just will not stay in her shell, that she will just not stay in her cell and how she just runs riot. And and the thing is, if they really wanted to keep her in her cell, they could. But what the show's slowly sh- showing us is that actually they're kind of not what we we are supposed to think demons are they're actually this bunch of lovable dorks and the the question it leaves hanging for a while is does she realize this is she because she's saya the lead princess is like incredibly ditzy and like oblivious of uh, and what focused on this what on her comfort uh, almost to the oblivion of everything else and the question always these hang is does she have any idea that they're being nice to her or not or is she just, <laughs> just like expect people to be nice to her and what we get revealed in the, the final couple of episodes as, as when she goes back to the human kingdom because she decides she wants this uh this like vibrating head massager she sees on a a demon uh, uh spirit tv and <laughs> they finally go back to the human kingdom so they can buy her one of those and what we see is that she's she has actually kind of warmed to them and that it ends with her saying essentially that her duty as a as a as a princess is basically to create peace between their kingdoms and and the way she can actually do that is by staying with them in in the castle and and pretending to be their hostage so they're so so over time they basically become acclimatized to her and and the the human kingdom is is sort of like not actively at, at war with them at, at the same time because they have her as a hostage so she's actually weirdly creating this this peace in both kingdoms by just lounging around this demon castle and it was mm-hmm. it was just kind of nice to have this 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 in the end going okay the the way we're gonna end this is everyone does live happily ever after <laughs> <laughs> well it is a fairy tale so <laughs> and, and like like it, it felt like it could be easily like it starts out with her as a hostage and like, okay, so how do you resolve that? Does she escape? And the decision is no, she's decided to stay there because it, it, she's made it just as comfy as her real house. And she's <laughs> she's actually made friends in there and appreciates that they're, they're not what everyone portrays them as. And yeah, so it's nice. Like in 2020, a show that is whol- a wholesome comedy which promotes 
everyone being together and happy is distinctly a a, a food for the soul indeed mm-hmm. well it's good it's good that you got something good out of this i feel like there were a lot of mixed bags this season at least in what yeah. i watched and what i heard other people watch so it's good to have a, a win yeah. especially if it's something light and fun like that where and it's, it's one of those shows where they just had an impeccable cast as well where every every part mm-hmm. was just like really well voice acted and just like it didn't have like a big animation budget but it didn't need to it just had like a really well cast set of vas who could hit their line every time and just nail every joke that's always good well cool well, you want to take a break and then we'll come back, talk about yeah. Seito Kainoichi Zone and call it early? Mm-hmm. Yeah, sounds good. Rad, rad. All right. And we're back. As promised, I'm talking about an anime that I watched in 2009 when it aired. This is... Seito Kaino Ichizon, or Student Council's Discretion, which is based on the series of light novels by Aoi uh, Sekina, uh, with illustrations by Kira Inugami. Um, the novels themselves are supposedly like semi forged memos of the student council uh, sessions written under direction from the president to make them sound more impressive and accomplished than they actually are. Um, <laughs> This is partially why in the first episode of the anime, they make fun of how uh, the melancholy of Haruhi Suzumiya has already come out and no one's going to watch their show because Haruhi Suzumiya did it better um, with a higher budget and uh, more going on than just the like unreliable narrator part. But anyway, the premise of this show, beyond the framing of the novels itself uh, themselves, is that um, this one guy named Sugisaki Ken uh, is the one male member of the otherwise all female student council, which are, which are elected by popularity vote. Um, however, one member of the student council is the person with the highest grades. And so he has studied and crammed his ass off to be the one guy in a student council with the four hottest girls in school. Um, and he spends most of his time during the episode telling them that there is a harem and telling them about different plans that he has to make them fall in love with him and them treating him with at best disdain at worst outright antipathy and generally shutting him down and making fun of how stupid he is and talking (laughs) about how they wished he wasn't wishes he wasn't around. But as the show goes on, and this is something that I forgot the last time I watched from the last time I watched it is that they all have kind of a fondness for him because beyond his like weird exterior of like, I want I, you're my harem. We're playing and we're playing an H game. You're my harem, and we're gonna go for the harem route ending. Um, he's like a nice person, and it, it's, which sounds shady, but it is just kind of funny of how like he's got good intentions and he's doing like sketchy stuff because of it, largely because he's brainwashed himself to believe that erotic video games are real life. Uh, and yeah, and there's a lot of like meta jokes. They talk constantly about about uh, other shows like Haruhi or Higurashi or um, basically anything that aired between <laughs> between 1990 and 2009. Plenty of Full Metal Alchemist jokes, plenty of Ashita no Joe jokes. And yeah, I, I watched this because I wanted something to like zone out to while I was doing Christmas prep. Uh, but I forgot that I actually really liked this show. And I think that the sketchiness aside of 
a guy trying to like four time a bunch of women right in front of them where he like where the president's like the president's like you've hurt my feelings king he's like that's not true i love you and she's like really and all the other girls are like what about us he's like oh i love you too and she's like that's (laughs) it's not it doesn't count um but he's doing it for good reasons because in the harem route everybody's happy no one's left out so yeah i don't know seems like the uh character designer it feels very like hayate combat (laughs) butler-esque era like the way it's definitely yeah um so it'll be interesting to see whether I mean, interesting. It looks like the character designer has not had any contact with Hayate Combat Butler, but you know, oh, no. But, but they they did do e- they did do Ebiten, which if you look at Ebiten, mm. they look exactly the same, <laughs> including like his his thing. Apparently, it's just weird lapels that just go really far out of the <laughs> out from the. I don't know. It's an ugly show, and unfor- unfortunately, like a lot of the. Well, I don't know. I. I I hesitate to say this is any creepier than most anime. There is this whole thing where like all the characters have two levels where the president is short and a chibi. Um, and, but like secretly she's like super childish, but has not realized yet that like all of her favorite things to do are, are really childish. There's this whole thing where everyone's talking about their part-time job. And she's like, I have a part-time job after school. I help out the local daycare. I play with the kids. And then when it's time to go to bed, (laughs) I go to bed with them. And then the teacher tells me that I'm the best. I'm the best worker they have, and everyone's like, "Should we tell? Should we tell her that she just goes to daycare?" <laughs> um, that's the joke. It's. It, do you want to hear it at least like twenty more times because they do it in various different forms? I don't know. It's I mean, funny. But like, it's, it's got. It's, it's like, got the child. It's got so real quickly. It's got the childish president. It has the like mature beautiful older woman with long black hair who's actually like a sadist and also has like a side job like doing illegal trading on on the stock market and then there's the tomboy girl who is obsessed with everything being hot-blooded but she's also good at math and every time that comes up people make fun of her for like not keeping to her archetype of being bad at her studies and good at sports (laughs) and then there's the then there's the quiet shy one who is obsessed with boy love and uh and writes a, B, a BL series about Ken with a, a made-up character named uh, uh, Nak- Nakamaguro, which is, I don't know, a very funny-sounding name. Yeah. Um, it's So everyone's, like, kind of working on two levels, just, like, how Ken seems like a, a sketchy creep, but is actually, like, doing this because he cares about these women and wants to be nice to them and just has, like, really weird values for what it means to be nice to somebody. It does also feel like they're slightly having their cake and eating it by complaining about etchy trappings and then also seeming to be having at least some etchiness in it. Uh, Oh, this is definitely like talking, doing something and then talking about in a meta sense, how it's convenient or stupid or cheap or lazy (laughs) is very much one of their favorite things. Yeah. Um, They have this thing where they keep bringing back the like, they call him corrupt or they call him rotten and he like turns around and it's like the first zombie reveal from resident evil it's like a shot reference of that mm-hmm. um and after like the third time like we gotta stop doing this and he does it again and they like put like a big rejected stamp over it that's the kind of humor i i'm really vulnerable to this kind of humor it reminds me a lot of joshi raku or even signers that's supposed to say mm-hmm. um it even begins with the Joshiraku style opening, although Joshiraku came afterwards. So Joshiraku begins with a Seto Kainogichi's own style opening, talking about how their premise works best 
in light novel form? And is the show going to be less funny because it won't have like the written aspect that lets like the uh, that lets the unreliable narrator really come through. And so they try to think of new things they can add to the anime to make it more exciting and different than the books and then end up like. Well, that was a disaster. Well, that was like extra that was... interesting with Josiraku because that's about um, a spoken an uh, art form. So you're yeah. you're t- t- dealing with a transition for which is a, a, an unreliable narrator of a spoken form in ri- ri- in written form being transferred to a visual form. Yeah. Also <laughs> yes. Works, is that also not sort of similar to what that happens in um, Excel Saga as well? Yeah. Yes, it's they also worry about how the trans yeah. about how it's not going to translate. Yeah. Um. <laughs> I I don't really have a lot to say about this besides pitching other people mm-hmm. to watch it, and it's not going to be, it's not, it's not going to it's going to be a monogatari. It's not going to be something you can recommend to your friends. You're like, hey, do you like anime? Here's this great anime about a guy who's trying to turn the student council into his harem, um, but actually he's he's a nice guy and he's doing it because. When he was in a dark place in junior, this is a, this is spoilers for like the actual overall plot, which is actually kind of touching, I think, um, as yeah. insofar as it can be in that sort of presentation. So cover your ears briefly, but it turns out that he cheated on a girl in junior high, and everyone hates him, and he was in a deep depression, and all of these girls he ran into over the course of one year who gave him advice that helped him pull himself out of his depression, and so he decided to like take he wants the harem route so that he can make all four of them happy to thank them for being for being kind to him. So it's, it's, it's got a good heart despite how many, like, <laughs> apparently is there, is there a thing where like stamp sounds like the word, sounds like the word for flat in, in Japanese, because there's that joke a lot about how, when they stamp stuff, every time she stamps something, Ken says flat and mm. the, uh, the childlike president gets her hurt feelings hurt because she doesn't like the word flat because she oh. is, does not have a, a large bust, so do not well net well endowed. Yeah, I, I have a feeling that's that's probably just the I don't know. Uh, <laughs> well, there's a lot like there's a whole thing where she's trying uh, where a little kid stops by and Ken's taking care of her and Kurumi uh, Siri Kurimu. She's called Aka, which I think is a homonym for baby too. So yeah, uh, but um, so she. <laughs> So she gets quickly gets into a rivalry uh, with the little kid to prove that she's smarter than a little kid and therefore an adult. Um, and they do like history. And there's a whole running gag that the people at Sentai just gave up trying to translate where she's misremembering um, year mnemonics for like the founding of Kyoto, mm. the founding of Edo, all these sorts of things. And the first one they translate of like, oh, she's. She makes the the 1794 mnemonic sound like a a a, a, a Sentai show, so they don't. So she doesn't remember properly. And then like there's three more jokes, and they just don't translate those. It's just her saying nonsense, and then everyone like crashing to the ground like you do in anime when you're really surprised by yeah. stuff. Yeah. <laughs> but but yeah, there's a lot of language jokes here that I don't get. Although. <laughs> I've watched a lot more anime since 2009, so I get a lot of the anime references. Mm-hmm. They have a lot of Higurashi references, mostly their ugly faces, which I feel like <laughs> is the pot calling the kettle black, given the art for the show. So, but you find humor where you can. Yeah, it, I, it really upsets me when um, when Matt, uh, some stuff just doesn't translate, especially like uh, DVD volumes or, you know, that like those people just don't bother translating their fucking shows properly. 
it's hard to translate and you're just like you gotta do it even if it doesn't make sense you just gotta fucking <laughs> do it like otherwise people just get mad but then i guess i guess for a show like this people aren't really caring it doesn't seem like there's a lot of budget or maybe even interest although it has it like two series three series two series but one of them was was a net o- the, the sequel was a net ova and as i said uh before they they make a bunch of jokes at the end about how no one will possibly ever pay for a second season and in fact they didn't include a lot of the the important plot elements because they felt that the show wouldn't get a second season where those plot elements could pay off so <laughs> so i mean haha. it's but... interesting to see uh sekina aoi uh aoi, aoi uh, i can't do it the author <laughs> uh also wrote gamers is another anime that I really, really liked, and it felt very similar in the fact that it's just chock full of references about video games. Um, and yeah, it was good, although it was a very good six episodes, and then lost the plot when they confessed, and then they were like, "Ah, oh, shit! Now we have to do relationship uh, stuff." <laughs> and I don't really know how to do that. I just know how to do fun, like little bits about will they, won't they? Um, and then the it mostly revolved around him having a super, an inferiority complex for dating the hottest girl in school um, <laughs> who also liked him a lot and then was also a gamer and they had like so much in common and you're just like, why don't you just chill the fuck out? <laughs> uh, I don't know. It, it I mean, was a good show. But, like, uh, there's, 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 there's two things which I, I generally shout at any romantic comedy, which is one, why don't you chill the fuck out? And, and second is, why don't you fuck? And so uh, I think like one or t'other is, is fine as long as you just get on with it. Um, but... You, but I mean, it, to, to the credit of Seta Kaneichi's own, it ends up that he doesn't want to hook up with any of them because then that would ruin the harem ending. <laughs> and so he genuinely just wants well, them all to be in love with him and him to be making them happy. But that wouldn't which... be a harem ending, then, would it? <laughs> It'd be the friend ending, It'd like the, in yeah. uh, My Life as a Villainous. Yeah, there you go. You got the, you got Super the friend, friend ending. ending. Yeah. But it's, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's... <laughs> I think that the thing that I'm missing now that I've leveled up my anime is that I don't know a lot about dating games because they make a lot of, um, since his name is Sugisaki, um, he's talking about like what they want to do when they grow up. This is the whole like where the president said that she has a job working at a, a, a daycare when actually she's just going to the daycare. And he's like, I think I'll make arrow games since I know so much about them. And since my uh, the last character of my last name uh, is key i'll just make it key games and i'll do it. and then it's like this, this long thing of just like referencing and referencing. and all the other characters like we can't do that we can't even talk about them and he's like and he's like okay well the first character of my name is cedar but that's too that's too complicated so i'll do leaf and they're like no we can't you can't do that either that's a that's also a game company and he's yeah. like i don't see and, and then and then they have a big argument and at the end he's like fine fine i'm, I'm making a company it's gonna be called arrow arrow games it's just like <laughs> Uh, I don't know. It's it's. I'm easy for references because they reward me for how much time I've put into this hobby. Yeah. Um, and I don't want to say that this is like Family Guy level. Like, hey, here's a reference. It's usually just there's a running joke of of the references like rapidly diverting their supposedly serious student council meetings off course, and so they're trying to bring it back online. But every time you try to say something, there's an anime reference to be made about it, and so people get mad, and they get in fights, and they get distracted. 
um there's a whole episode where he gets locked in a locker and he like he's like yes the lockers he's like doing a weird like shonen stuff like yes the locker's taking on my form he can like start to like move around and the locker starts to like have his like a blush or like an anger like vein thing on it i don't know i i'm just saying what happens in the anime because there's nothing deeper here Mm -hmm. but it is a very funny like meta 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 teardown of harem animes and school animes school club animes that's that's also like the I guess the, the difference between Family Guys, a lot of the time the, the joke is the reference, and if you don't get the reference, then that's it. But it seems like there's still a lot of comedic elements within their communication, the way they talk and all that kind of stuff that, that makes it actually a more enjoyable watch. And actually, like, if you get the reference, it's great. If you don't, yeah. then it, it sucks, but you you don't need to play fucking all the light levels in the game world because they're, <laughs> kind of, they're kind of formulaic and bad and if you understand the concept of a flag then that's it you fucking understand how <laughs> visual novels work <laughs> yeah um, i mean i think there's there's an element of what you're talking about to um sleepy princess in a demon castle because like it so heavily plays on the tropes of uh rpgs and like you and like knowing how jrpgs in particular work and like the hero's quest and like the princess being kidnapped to a, a castle and all, all this jazz and mm-hmm. like i think a lot of what in that case as i said made it work was a just having quality voice actors and i, I notice uh, uh uh this is a, a mamiko um anime so i i'm obviously now <laughs> incredibly more interested because as as a uh, karma burn it's called on karma burn it's it's mommy core so you can <laughs> you can get into it um what well, was it do you think generally it had a good good va performance like do, do they sell did, their characters it, well it had me looking up like especially uh Karimu, the the chibi president, um, has a really good performance, and it was her first main role. She was uh, Yuko in Nichijo, though, and that's that's also a pretty good performance. Um, but yeah, she hasn't done that much, and so I was kind of confused of like, this is someone with a with a, a lot of presence there. Um, unfortunately, they had to recast uh, several of the main roles for the second season because it was so long and also an ONA that probably didn't have a huge budget. Mm, that's a shame. Uh, but yeah, even like the main character, uh, Taka- uh, Takashi Kondo, I think, Takashi Kondo, um, like I don't think he's been anything that I would consider to be like a, an absolutely standout role. I'm going through stuff. Uh, but he... But he uh, he does really good at swinging between like lascivious nerd performances and literally just Kion from Haruhi, which is, his, which is his straight man character most of the time. Um, yeah. I don't see anything that I would consider him to be like okay. a particularly standout role. Yeah. Cause it's, uh, I think I, I was talking to you during the break about this, this idea, this um, comic theorist I was reading up, up on um, has this idea of like, a character creation by sort of subtraction from stereotype like you you mm. give people what as something which they they recognize and have certain expectations around and then bit by bit you re- remove those those characteristics from it and you create this this new thing and like it sounds like in some ways like okay this is just Keown and 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 then just slowly <laughs> actually saying well no he he has this well no well no Instead of, of of introducing something new about him, you you essentially remove some. You you have him act against type 
time and time again and that and you can both draw humor from that right. and develop the character you, it, it both becomes joke a joke and character development which is kind of useful yeah it it i mean i think that that's generally what you do when one of the first lines of your anime is like fuck Haruhi's stolen all of our thunder <laughs> what are you gonna do we're just a bad Haruhi and they're like no we can come with other stuff but then like it's kind of yeah setting you up for an expectation um by fulfilling those kind of things and then and oftentimes only adding in stuff later to make it more subtle once you've already accepted the premise of the of of what's being presented to you uh, but yeah i mean i think the, i think the humor lands surprisingly well there's only a little bit of like lesbian masher jokes uh ken very rarely gets to like creep on the girls but uh the older long-haired dark girl has a has a very intimate friendship with uh the chibi president um and it seems to be consensual but also it's kind of presented as like predatory because Karimu's coded so strongly as basically mentally a mentally a high schooler a grade <laughs> schooler um where just like where she's trying to explain to the little girl like why being president makes her makes her uh makes her superior and she's like doing all these like fancy anime names she's like president's mouth i can taste sweets better than anybody and it's like that just means you that that just means uh you like sweet and it's like president's ear i can hear people saying nice things about me really well and it's just like that's also not <laughs> a talent and she's like president's butt i like my pillows to be soft and like that's not it's not a superpower like like she's she's just a kid but also her absolute denial makes it sells it differently than if she was just like a kid in a she like she's convinced that like all the things she likes are normal things for for adults yeah. to like and she like apparently she ate kimchi once and like that's become really important to her where she always the first thing she always brings up when someone calls her child like she's like that's not true i've eaten kimchi <laughs> and, and the little the little girl who's like supposed to be like six or seven is like eating kimchi doesn't make you an adult and she's like shut up it's uh it's it's good <laughs> it sounds good like it, it sounds like a funny show it's just funny it's just it's just yeah it's just funny funny very playing to type jokes but it also has a very sweet heart i i think there's a scene halfway through where he walks in on the twin tails athletic hot-blooded girl and her hair's down he doesn't recognize her and they have like a very apparently stereotyped stereotyped exchange where he's like i'm sorry i just don't recognize you with your hair down she's like you're so used to not seeing me as a girl that you can't even recognize me with my with my hair down and he's like well it's not that you also seem different and there's like, and they have like, and then there's just silence and they have a moment where like, there actually is some sort of emotional connection between them and that this actually might be a turning point in their friendship. And then it ends and then they go back to, <laughs> he gets locked in the locker again. <laughs> and uh, so it's, it's kind of a weird thing, but I don't know. It's also just a gag. The, the author describes it as four coma and light novel form, whatever that means. But, but I think it works as just like, light filler and i don't think it has a it doesn't bottom out like gamers did for you andy i think it's good all the way through generally speaking yeah. so that's yeah. a recommendation for me what watch a watch an anime about a guy turning turning four women into his harem for your wholesome never, holiday needs i never <laughs> think of doing that in an anime mm. um okay well with that let's wrap up so remember, rate, review, and subscribe to us on iTunes or any other podcast platform. 
Find us on Twitter at KeyframesPod. Find us on Facebook. Search for Keyframes Podcast. Email us questions or topics you'd like to hear us discuss. KeyframesPodcast at gmail.com. And tune in next week, next two weeks, sorry, for our topic, which is going to be covering the new season of anime, the winter 2021 season of anime. And listen to it with a friend. But, you know, don't listen to it with, with any friend. I would listen to it with um, either two two friends, really, because you can listen to it with multiple <laughs> friends, sure. Uh, one who really wants to intricately go through the anime that they watched last season and say whether it was good or bad, or the other friend who also just wants to have a harbor real bad, but then, I don't know, doesn't want to do any of them. Like, just fucking... <laughs> doesn't he, just, he just loves them too much. It's he the purity thing from much. Golden Kamui. So much <laughs> doesn't understand the concepts of a harem. So, <laughs> so yeah, sounds great. <laughs> Look, Andy, when your brain has been fried completely by arrow games and everything, everything's a harm. Everything's a route. Everything. He talks about routes a lot, too. He's like, he's like, oh, man, is, was that... This is just... Was that Minatsu's flag? Psychono <laughs> has just inceptioned you, basically. Well, I mean, it's, it's Psychono, but willing to shit on itself more, <laughs> which is probably how I, would, how I would sell it to Duncan in hindsight. Anyway, say goodbye, everybody. Bye! <laughs> goodbye. See you in the new year. Yes, new year, new world. I, I laugh at the fact Ben's like, well, I, I, I don't uh, really uh, play light novels. And yeah, yeah, it's, yeah I, I know for a fact, like, how many Christine Love's things you have 100%ed. Well, that's, that is different. Christine Love is special.